dress like Halloween and you will attract the ghouls. Girls, are you wondering why only psycho guys are interested in you? Well, you attract what you are. Guys, are you wondering why it's only the crazy girls that are blowing up your phone, that are chasing you around after school? Well, it could be you're putting off the wrong signal. You see, do you want to get rid of rats? Do you put out more cheese? No, you don't. You wonder why some cities are being burnt to the ground. A lot of the reasons why they are is because they're allowed to be burnt to the ground. Why do you walk down the streets of some cities and you see people passed out, sleeping on the sidewalk, stoned out of their mind, doing all kinds of horrible things right there in public? I will uh, save you uh, the details. But some cities, people don't go inside to use the restroom until it gets to 20 below. Uh, hi, this is Justin Gleason. Welcome to Spirit Signal. And uh, if that intro offends you, go back and listen to it again and let it offend you again. I really don't care. You want to know really what spiritual warfare is all about? It's about what you allow. It's about what you don't allow. It's about what doors you open. It is about how you make the spirit world comfortable in your life. And if you're doing things to entertain the devil, oh, you're going to entertain the devil. And it works quite the opposite, in a much better way, a happier way, a more satisfying way. If you entertain God, God is going to be entertained in your life. You look at spiritual warfare, it's not a concept just seen in any one passage in the Bible, but it is seen all throughout the Bible from beginning to end. You take a look in the book of Genesis. Within the first three chapters, Satan appears. That's spiritual warfare. It's based upon the decisions that Adam and Eve made. You look all throughout the Bible, from the beginning and definitely to the end, it is spiritual warfare. So don't be an ostrich about this. Don't stick your head in the sand. You know, one of the major commands of the New Testament church is watch and pray. Because I tell you what, while you're not watching, the devil will get inside of your mind. He'll get inside of your heart. He'll start convincing you that you're not in the will of God when you were perfectly in the will of God. Parents, you've got to watch out for your kids. Pastors, you've got to watch out for your church. Don't think for one minute that during this pandemic, Satan has hidden away in hell, locked himself away, afraid of getting COVID-19. Oh, no, you better believe it. He is on the prowl. He's not just walking to and fro in the earth. He is prowling to and fro throughout the earth. You can learn about spiritual warfare in the Old Testament and definitely the New Testament. There's concepts in, in, in both aspects of the Bible out there. There's a lot of phenomenal books out there written by it, a lot of phenomenal teaching about it. It's something that you want to be educated in, but I want to warn you, I want to caution you that you got to be careful what you study because one trick of the devil is, is to get people interested in the dark arts, to deceive people into getting into the... Uh, casting of spells and magic and and not even knowing that they're doing doing it this happened to israel during their time in babylon 
many of them became enchanted with how the Babylonians worshipped and some of their philosophy and ideas. And they brought back a lot of spiritualism that was not of God, and many of them uh, practice it uh, to this day. So you got to be careful how you study these things because in studying the devil, you can get to a level where you worship him. And in some resources, it can be a place where you really open up your mind to things you should not be opening up your mind to. So I give you this disclaimer. Paul said in Romans chapter 16, concerning things that are good, be wise in it. Concerning things that are evil, be simple in your knowledge concerning those things. So you don't want to have a doctorate in demonology. You don't want to become an expert in all things satanic. You just want to have a little bit of knowledge. And if you just stick with what the Bible says and stick with a tried, proven, and tested tested apostolic writer or an apostolic preacher says, you're doing pretty good. But the average guy uh, out there who sits on the left side of the church has a huge Bible, wears a suit from 1972, has an epic comb over, and is always seeing demons, uh, you might want to think twice before you take his advice on what you should be doing, okay? In the Old Testament, they had a, a little bit of a different approach to spiritual warfare. You really don't see any priest or any prophet or any prophetess laying hands on anybody and trying to cast a devil out of them. You don't see any of them doing that. You do see them coming against their enemies in the name of the Lord. You do hear, uh, you know, in stories where they would sing when they would praise the Lord and all of a sudden, you know, an earthquake would happen or a great hailstorm would come or some other kind of a natural disaster to defeat their enemies. So they, they had that. But really how they fought, uh, how they did spiritual warfare in Israel, their tor- territory throughout the land, it was mostly done by destruction, mostly done by destroying idols, destroying high places, destroying shrines, and they were commanded by God to kill all those who practice witchcraft and to kill people who had sexual relationships with the pagans with the pagans practicing witchcraft. That's how they did it. They destroyed the objects, and they destroyed the people who were a part of those objects. You want to know how real this stuff is? You take a look in Genesis chapter 31. Rachel, she flees uh, with her husband Jacob from her father Laban. And what does she steal? Her father Laban's idols. This was not to make money. This was not an attempt to anger her father. But according to rabbinical tradition, she stole her father's idols because Laban was an idol maker. Rachel did not come from a good family. Came from a very wicked, deceitful, demonic family. She knew her father's demonic power. She knew uh, his uh, practice of the dark arts. She believed that Jacob would consult those idols And those idols, the spirit in those idols, behind those idols, would reveal to Laban where Jacob and Rachel were. I'll say that again. Rachel stole those idols, her father's idols, because she believed that those idols would reveal to Jacob their location. 
And, you know, uh, demonic powers, I mean, there is a power behind witchcraft. Oh, yeah. They can do supernatural things. It's the spirit world. Uh, God gave those demonic spirits their power long ago. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They still have the power. They certainly do. Now, it's an evil power. It's a power that's not headed for anything good. It's a power that's headed straight to hell. And if you get involved with that power, you're going to follow them. Uh, you're going to go to hell right with them. God will let you follow what you follow now to follow it in eternity. It's why you got to follow Jesus. Follow him into eternity. But you got to understand this. When you come up against demonic activity, witchcraft, all of that, it's all around us happening more than you know because the devil wants to be secretive, wants to be like a thief, not be seen. Anytime you have a demonic spirit that believes it knows more about you than what you want it to know, turn around and remind him about his future. Because you know what? You don't have to consult anything to know the devil's fate. Consult your Bible. I read in my Bible in the book of Revelation that there is coming a day when just one angel is going to bind up Satan with a chain and throw him down in the bottomless pit. I've asked God many times, Lord, let me be there with that angel and punch the devil right in the stomach just before he falls. And then it says later on that the judgment of the bottomless pit and the lake of fire is going to become the inhabitation or excuse me, it's talking about Babylon, yes, and, and, and the lake of fire and all that. It's going to become the habitation of devils. It's going to become the inhabitation of devils. That is where they are all headed to. Anytime you're up against a devil, remind him of the truth of his future. The devil can't fight that. The devil cannot fight truth, and it cannot fight your knowledge. Praise God. You look at what Isaiah said. Isaiah chapter 65, it's a messianic prophecy. It's Messiah, prophetically speaking of things that Messiah would say and do and accomplish. It says, I was sought by those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me, who sit among the graves, spend the night in the tombs, who eat swine's flesh, and the broth of abominable things are in their vessel. It's saying here that Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, he would be received when he comes by a people that nobody expected. He would be accepted by a people that nobody thought would ever want to have anything to do with God. And these type of people were found in graves. They were found spending the night among the tombs. And they ate swine's flesh. And they had abominable things inside of their soul. You know what I think is going on here? It is a prophecy of a certain person that Jesus would one day meet, a kind of people that would one day meet. I think people that would literally hang out in graves, in the tombs, eat an unclean beast, which would later on become clean, thank the Lord, but they would have abominable things in their vessels. And I think abominable things in their vessels, just according to the Hebrew language there, it means demon possession an abominable thing inside of you, that is totally demon possession. You then read in the book of Mark, chapter number 5, Jesus Christ and his disciples go across the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. I'll read it for you. Mark 5, Then he came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, 
And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, not even chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him, and always night and day he was on the mountain and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar, he ran. He ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And he said to him, Come out of that man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out in the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirit went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and a herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid, and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into a boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And all had marveled. This story takes up the greater portion of one chapter in the Bible. And if you've been in church for a while, it is a story that you have definitely heard preached. Definitely heard referenced. Because there is so much power and revelation in this story. I tell you what, the first thing that I see is the fact that Jesus got into a boat and went to the other side. He went to the other side. I've been to Israel a couple times. I've read a lot about their history, a lot of their language. Anytime in the New Testament when you hear about the other side, it is referring to the place on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a place controlled by the Greeks and the Romans, a very sinful place, a place that Pharisees, Uh, avoided, a place that they would not go to. Matter of fact, the other side, far country, uh, it was also called far country, is probably the place that the prodigal son would go to. It was a place with Greco-Roman pagan uh, practices. It had the Greco-Roman theaters, the gymnasiums, the temples to the gods and the goddesses, all the places of learning uh, Greco-Roman literature, Greco-Roman history, all of that. It was a place where you could get lots of wine, lots of narcotics, and a close, and of course, a lot of sexual perversion. Think about that. Theaters, 
gymnasiums, temples to pagan gods, a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, and a lot of sexual perversion. That sounds a lot to me like America. <laughs> that sounds a lot to me pretty much like a lot of this world. And that's why the religious Galilean Jews who kept to themselves called it far country. And that's probably where the prodigal son went to. Probably left Galilee, went across the sea, and spent all his money on theaters where he could watch actors perform in the nude on stage. He went to the gymnasium. Now, their gymnasiums was not just about pumping iron or walking on a treadmill. Oh, no. It was much more than that. Much more than that. It was not just about training the body, but it was about getting Greco-Roman art and culture into your soul, a very demonic place. And it was a place where a lot of uh, sexual perversion happened. That prodigal son spent all his money in the temples to learn uh, about the Greco-Roman gods. Spent it on wine, spent it on narcotics, and of course, sexual perversion. Riotous living. That's where he went. The Pharisees would not go there. But where does Jesus go? He goes there. He goes there. You see, Jesus did not avoid sinners. He avoided sin. He loved sinners. He did not come there to be a part of the sin, but rather he came there to preach repentance from sin, to avoid, to teach people to avoid the darkness and to show them their great light. He came there to pierce the darkness of their sinful lifestyle with the light of God's salvation and love and truth. And when he arrives there across the sea, it wasn't a Greco-Roman bodybuilder that came out to see him. It wasn't an actress on stage that came out to say, oh, hello. It wasn't one of the Greco-Roman drug dealers that came out and said hi. It wasn't a pagan ritual prostitute that came out and said hello. Oh, no, it was a person, like Isaiah said, somebody who really didn't seek for him, somebody that nobody thought would ever find God. That type of guy came out. It was a man who lived in the tombs, just like Isaiah prophesied, somebody who lives in the tombs, who spends their nights in the graves. That's who ran out to see Jesus, a man living in the tombs, a man who probably got seduced by demonic spirits to practice Greco-Roman necromancy. And in practicing those things and that type of witchcraft, which is very dark sin, it led to his demon possession. As the church, we believe that there is a separation between the living and the dead. That's how God has set it up. One day, there will be a resurrection, and all who are dead will be reunited for the living. And some will arise to the resurrection of the just, and then some will rise to the resurrection of the unjust. It's the main reason why Jesus came, to give people an opportunity for eternal life, to get back to what Adam and Eve had before they sinned, to get back to a world where there is no more devil, no more demons, no more sin. But this man probably had parents that died. 
grandparents that died, and he heard about a certain type of magic, a certain type of witchcraft, that you could go to the tombs of the ones you loved and summon their spirits and have communion with their spirits. That stuff goes on to this day. Oh, yeah. All that ectoplasm stuff, seeking familiar spirits. There are people out there that practice that. They don't know how to move on from somebody that they lost. You see, death to us Christians is a reminder to how horrible sin really is, to how much God hates sin, and a reminder to us of what Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. But the world doesn't want to believe that. The world wants to reunite and use satanic means of reuniting with the people that you have lost, a thing that God forbids. For God is the giver, the controller, the ender of all life. And in all reality, you cannot summon the spirit of somebody who is dead. For God has control of that. You know what's going on there, familiar spirits? It is demons that know how to masquerade or act out the soul of the person that died. If you are summoning your grandma summoning your your uncle that passed away, all of that summoning them, you know really what you're doing? You're summoning devils. You are opening your mind up to the attack of devils. And once they get a foothold in you, they'll destroy your life. Yes, they will. When Jesus approaches this man, he commands that spirit to leave. And the Lord asks that devil's name. I've heard, I've never asked a devil for his name. I've never done that. I've cast out devils. I've never asked for their name. But I believe in that moment in the time, sometimes the word of wisdom moves upon you. you if you've ever been in that type of situation, you, if you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're prayed up, you're living for God, you'll be surprised how you react in that situation. It's God reacting through you. And I know other preachers that have asked devils their name, and any time you do that, it like so frightens an evil spirit if you know their name. It's something they want to be, uh, something to be kept hidden. It's like if you know their name, you take another level of authority over it. And the demonic spirits that possess this man took on a name called Legion. Took on Legion. Jesus called this spirit an unclean spirit. Legion was an unclean spirit. And I think there's a reason they use the word unclean because devils, you know, you can identify them with how they live and how they act. And I'll tell you this, I've been in, in homes. People have called us up to come to their home and pray for their home because of demonic activity. A lot of times newer disciples in the church. And in almost every case, when you go to home, and they've been living there for a while, not like they're a new move-in or a new tenant, but they've been living there for a while, you walk into the house, and the house is unclean. Very, very unclean. Devils, unclean spirits, they love filth, and they love chaos. You walk in, there's trash everywhere. The house smells like urine and feces. They're hoarders. They don't know how to clean up their house. The devils love it. I look for that. And then I'll usually ask questions. Do you sleep? And in almost every case, they say, I don't sleep. 
Ask them, do you have tormenting thoughts, suicidal thoughts? And in every case, they do. Those are unclean spirits. That's how they want you to live because that is what they are. And in also, in most cases, there is a lot of violence in that home, a lot of fighting, and all the other things that go along with it. Yeah, unclean spirits. They love filth. They love chaos. They love trash. They love it when there's no sleep, no peace, and they love tormenting thoughts, and they love violence. You know what I think happened here in this situation for this man? The Romans who had lived in that territory called Decapolis, having conquered it, having taken control over it, all of the horrible things that the Roman army did, all of the demon possession that they had, all of the uh, the demonic powers and witchcraft that they had, Roman armies, certain segments of them were often called legions. Thousands of men in a troop and an army who would go and attack and destroy, plunder, pillage, and do all of that. And I think the Romans taking up residence in that part, in that place, thousands of them were attracted to this one man who would perform necromancy in the tombs. And those devils took on the name, named themselves Legion, as a try to be like a threat and a power. We're as strong as the Romans. We're a great army like the Romans. We are Legion. And isn't it something? Jesus took down one legion of devils in two seconds. That's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we have a, a, a man on our pastoral staff in our church, the powerful disciple maker. He was a Iraq War combat veteran. And when he came to our church, there was a lot of things, a lot of things that he had to work through. And one of those things was all of the horrible things that had happened to him in Iraq. And I thank God for our veterans. Veterans Day is coming up next month. Thank you so much for your service. God has raised up American military to do a great thing in the world. But being over there, fighting in that war, those Islamic devils got a hold of him. And I was there and I witnessed it. Evangelist Lee Stone King was with us that night. Brother Stone King prayed, several of us prayed, and I watched as Islamic devils who had oppressed that soldier came off of him. Yeah, devils work through wicked militant armies. They sure do. Sometimes that's where a lot of uh, trauma comes from. And a lot of uh, professionals can't figure out how to help a lot of our soldiers. You know what? When the doctors can't do it, it's when it's time for the church to step in. Because doctors can't cast out devils through medication. Psychiatrists, psychologists, I thank God for them. But their gifting, their abilities cannot cast out devils. And when you got a demonic problem, only somebody who has the authority of Jesus Christ can fix that problem. And just like the Lord fixed this man back then, he can fix people who are in the same situation today. The uh, legion, the demonic spirits did not want to be cast down before their time. And they made an agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ to be cast into the pigs. <laughs> cast into the pigs. Okay? Jesus is in a, in a region called Gadara. And it's the Greek form of the old Hebrew word gad. 
That's the ancient territory of Gad. The Israel tried Gad. That's a place where pigs should not be raised because it was a forbidden, unclean beast in the law of God. Now you have Greco-Roman people there raising pigs. You know why they're raising them? Yes, for delicious bacon. Yes, for uh, well-marbled large-end ribs. We like that stuff around here in Kansas City. But they were really raising those ki- those pigs for sacrifices to Zeus, to Jupiter, to Mars, to Athena. They wanted to sacrifice those animals to those gods. Okay? That's why those demonic spirits wanted to run into those pigs. Because they felt there would be a safety net there among the pagans. But then, of course, you know what Jesus is going to do. Sure, devil, go ahead. You can go there, and then I'll take care of the pigs. And he sure did. They all ran down and drowned in the sea, and the devils were without a home. All right? That is a very spectacular story. I have never been in a, in a place where devils wanted to leave whoever they were and go into animals or anything like that. I've only just seen them witness them leave, and that was the end of it. But I've heard of instances where devils are cast out and they go and possess something else. And that is where you have to have the spirit of wisdom to come into you on what to do and how to handle that. And there's a different case for every every place. And um, anytime you have a situation like this, you need to ask for God's wisdom. But I tell you what, when you have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, devils fear and tremble. That's why the oneness Pentecostals are so powerful in this, because we believe in one God. James says the devils believe in one God and they tremble. For those of you Christians out there that believe in three persons, the devils don't tremble at that message. But when you preach the name, the one God message, it makes the devil tremble. Never forget what Lex Luthor said, a man is not defined by his friends, but he is defined by his enemies. And if you're doing things to upset the devil, and make the devil tremble, then you know your relationship with God is pretty solid. Praise the Lord. You know, when you think about somebody who has power over devils, maybe you're thinking about those great old evangelists, you know, who were able to cast out devils, and I thank God for them. But you know what, for me, something that I learned in growing up in church and an observer of all things spiritual that it's not just the powerful evangelists and preachers who have uh, authority over demonic spirits. Sometimes it's that quiet Sunday school teacher. I'll tell you what, sometimes it's uh, an academic, a Bible college professor. Yeah. My grandpa, Wendell C. Gleason, who was a Bible college uh, teacher uh, for most of his career, One day he went to a college, a secular college, to hear a professor speak. And he was just sitting there right in the middle. And people were kind of spread out throughout the auditorium. It wasn't packed out. There was nobody within 15 feet of him. And he was just sitting there listening to that professor. And the professor was talking about a lot of secular ideas. And the professor was giving his speech, his lecture, and he stopped He tried to speak, began to mumble over his words. He couldn't finish what he was trying to say. He was trying to contradict God, 
trying to contradict the Bible, trying to contradict truth and present a secular idea. And the professor looked up with a glare, an evil look in his face, and he looked right at my grandpa. My grandpa didn't know this man, and that man didn't know my grandpa. My grandpa just walked in just to listen. Now, my grandpa wasn't a great evangelist. He wasn't known for casting out devils. He wasn't uh, somebody who fasted, you know, for 60 days and would uh, tear down strongholds. He wasn't known for that. Let me tell you what, he walked with God. He had on the full armor of God every day, and he walked in the peace of God, baptized in Jesus' name, full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah. And he didn't say a word. He just sat there and listened. And to my grandpa's surprise, that man looked up with evil upon his countenance, and he said, I want to continue speaking. And he pointed right at my grandpa, but he said, You, man, are keeping me from saying it. (laughs) Just the presence of the Holy Ghost upon my grandpa silenced the mouth of the enemy. Oh, yeah. That is spiritual warfare. Just being an apostolic person puts you in a high authority with God. Just living for God is a part of your spiritual warfare. There's no telling how many times you've silenced the enemy. There's no telling how many times you have upset devils just because of your presence. I mean, you look at Jesus. He didn't get out of that boat starting to call the devil out. No, he just got out of the boat and just the presence of Jesus Christ made those devils start to scream. The devils cannot handle the presence of God because God's presence is clean. God's presence is holy. God's presence is righteousness, and it upsets the devil. And you know what? I believe through God's grace I've got my grandpa's anointing because I have had people behave strangely around me. I've been in some very unusual situations especially around backsliders, in person and on social media. You just, I just somehow know how to stir them up, getting them very uncomfortable. And you know what? Sometimes it's awkward, but if it means exposing darkness, I say whatever God wants to do through me, let him do it. Oh, yeah. I've been in situations in certain social settings, even with people that I'm related to, And all of a sudden, they begin to slander me for what I believe. They begin to berail me for how I live. You know why? They're angry at the conviction that they feel. They're angry at the truth that they feel. Because when you really truly get around God in his light, your darkness and your sin will be exposed. You really want to know what's talking? It's your devil's talking. That's what it is. We've got the holidays coming up. Sometimes it's hard for apostolics even to enjoy the holidays because they've got demon-possessed relatives, backslidden relatives. You know what I'm talking about. You come in, you're quiet, you just want to enjoy a good time, and that one relative just starts ripping on the church, starts ripping on the apostolic church. That's the devil's talking. It sure is. Yeah. Just your presence is powerful. 
And I know those things hurt. I know all about it. But those are a signal and a sign to you. You're doing it right. You're doing something correct. You want to know where backsliders like to go to? They love to come to apostolic weddings and apostolic funerals. They're there. They'll come to that, but they can't come to church. And it's amazing when somebody who hadn't been to church in seven years, they come to a funeral, they come in, and they say the craziest things. They say the weirdest things. Things not even appropriate for a funeral. You want to know why? (laughs) The light that's in the true church starts making them uncomfortable. They refuse to repent. That's truly what's going on there. That's the power of the light. It exposes darkness. Mm. My grandpa, my mother's father, Charles Dyson, was a prophet of the living God, an author, a phenomenal Bible teacher, a great man. Both my grandpas are with the Lord, so are my grandmothers, their wives. My grandpa Dyson writes about it in his book, No Continuing City, that one day he went to an insane asylum back when they used to have those, when they were open, to visit somebody, to pray for somebody. And while he walked through that insane asylum, somebody who was staying there jumped up and began to call out to him, Brother Dyson, Brother Dyson, Brother Dyson, what are you doing here? And then another person behind bars jumped up and began to scream and call out his name as he walked down that hall. Having never been there, having never met those people, and they never met him, they knew his name. You know what that was? That was the devils that had possessed them that were crying out to him. Yeah. If you don't think the devils know who you are, think again. The spirit world knows who Jesus is. It knew who Paul was. And if you're walking with God, they know who you are. That is the power of spiritual warfare. That is the power of living a holy life. That is the power of being full of the Holy Ghost. It brings out darkness. It makes darkness very, very uncomfortable. In Brother Barnes' books, Living in the Overflow, he writes a little bit about this. He said, you can get to a place where you learn how to make the devil uncomfortable. He said, growing up, out in the country, this is a long time ago, back in the 1920s, before people had electricity, air conditioning, and all of that, before they had treatments for uh, insects and all of that, He said how they got rid of bugs in their house is they would boil hot water and dump the hot water down the cracks in the walls and in the floors. And he said anytime his mother would do that, dump hot water down the cracks in the walls and in the floor, the horrible, most horrible things you could think of would come out. All kinds of beetles, spiders, and scorpions. And he likened the devil to that same thing. Devils like to hide in the cracks and the crevices of, quote-unquote, a house, which is a human soul. And whenever the Holy Ghost gets around it, it's like hot water. Just all of a sudden, they start saying things that they wouldn't normally say, like a man screaming and crying out in a tomb. Yeah. Devils will make people say the oddest things. You will have 
unusual situations. And that's a sign to you, your armor, your spiritual armor is working. You've got the shield of faith. You've got the helmet of salvation. You've got the sword of the spirit. You've got the breastplate of righteousness. You've got your feet shod with peace. You've got all of those things working for you. I'll never forget I was at an outdoor event. And this event has nothing to do with the situation that I'm about to tell you about. It was a really nice outdoor event, a family event. A lot of people were there. And I'll never forget there were people that got up to sing. There were people that got up to speak. And while I was sitting there in my chair next to my wife, off in the distance, there was an old building. I had heard about it, didn't really know much about it, but it was a place that used to be an insane asylum. And while I was sitting there, I looked up in this building off in the distance, and I watched in the windows demonic spirits manifest into those windows. Most of those demonic spirits looked like people. They almost looked like zombies. They looked like living corpses. They appeared in the window and just glared and stared. And I remember looking at those things and the feeling that came over me. And my wife grabbed my hand and she said, are you okay? I said, I'm okay. Just pray quietly. And I began to pray as those demonic spirits just began to look at all of us, all of the apostolic people. It was terrifying, horrifying. You know, I didn't want, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to stand up and start rebuking it, but I knew I couldn't do that. It was just not the timing and the place. But for whatever reason, a group of apostolic peoples had awakened those demonic spirits and exposed them. I believe I'm the only one that saw it. I don't know of anybody else that saw that, that day, all of those demonic spirits manifest in that window. But I watched as my father got to the podium to speak. And when my dad, Stan Gleason, got to the podium to speak, I looked up and watched all of those demonic spirits begin to bow down and walk away. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere changed. And the Holy Ghost came down gently like a dove. It was like a total transference in the atmosphere. Just the presence of the man of God as he began to speak. That is spiritual warfare. That is the power of God. Spiritual warfare, it's not just about laying on of hands. It's not just about speaking the name, but your greatest weapon in your spiritual warfare is your walk with God. It's your apostolic character. It's how you live your life. It's what you do and what you don't do. It is who you are that'll truly give you power over the demonic world. Brother C.P. Thomas, a man who is so special to me, he's from India. He pastors in northern India, has a great work. Many of you have heard this man's ministry when he comes to America. He told me a story. He said in the early parts of his ministry, when he was in his early 30s, 
he went into the mountains of India. It's where he began his ministry. It was in the mountains with the, he calls them the jungle people. And he went to this village in India, a village that had never heard the name of Jesus, never had heard about the church, but a people that had been practicing Hindu witchcraft for thousands of years. And he came there preaching Jesus, preaching the truth. And the whole village believed, and the whole village obeyed, and he baptized them all. At the end of the baptism, there was a woman that came out of her house screaming, yelling obscenities. And she ran up and fell before Brother Thomas, and Brother Thomas knew that it was a devil, and he commanded that devil to leave. Cast the devil out of that woman, and it did. He said it was a scary, horrible sight to see. But after the devil came came out of her, he said her face changed. She ate and drank. And you could obviously tell there was a difference in having Jesus and having the devil. And it caused so much more great faith and so many wonderful things happened in the village that day. Brother Thomas uh, said goodbye to the people and said, I will return next week. The sun was going down, and he began to walk down the mountain through the jungle to go home. He said as he was walking through the jungle, about midway through, he looked up, and he saw a woman walking in front of him. And he called out to her and said, Hello, hello, are you, are you walking down the mountain to go to the village too? The woman turned around and just looked at him out the corner of her eye, and she kept walking. He said, Excuse me. Are you okay? Excuse me. Hello. You know, it's just him and this woman walking in the jungle. And he kept calling out to her, and she kept walking. Brother Thomas thought this was peculiar, so he started to jog to get closer to her. And he said to me, Brother Justin, as I got closer to her, she would move further away from me. And he said, the faster I would run, he said she went from walking to walking fast, to running, to all of a sudden beginning to supernaturally move swiftly like lightning. He said, she always maintained a distance in front of me of about 25 feet. He said, I could not get closer to her. He said, I kept following her. She was going in the exact same direction that I would go. She was on the same trail that I was. He said, when we got down to the bottom of the mountain, there was a small pond of water there. He said, I watched as this woman got right up to the edge of the water. She turned around and looked at me, and he said, I watched this woman jump 200 feet in the air. 200 feet in the air. And she came diving down into that pond and disappeared. He said in that moment, the Holy Ghost revealed to him that that was not a woman, but that was the demonic spirit that he had cast out of that witch. <laughs> you know, most of the time, you're not going to see stuff like that. There's a reason the New Testament, Paul calls the world of angels, the world of demons, the invisible world. It's a realm that is ancient. It's a realm that is older than you and I. It's on a higher level than what earth is. It's the spirit world. But in that moment in time, the Lord had opened his eyes 
to let him see what was happening. And at times you'll have that. The Lord will open your eyes to give you a revelation of truly what is going on around you. These things are real. These things are real. Don't think for one minute that your sin is only for you. Don't think for one minute that it's just you and your little sins that you like. Oh, no. Your sins attract things that you don't want in your world and in your life. It may seem cool. With all of the movies and books put out nowadays, it's got a lot of this generation thinking that possession is cool. Beyonce, uh, I forget her name, Nicki Minaj, two horrible, horrible, despicable musical artists. They believe they're possessed and they like it. And people are following that stuff. Possession is not cool. It leads to hell. It'll destroy your life. Sure, that devil may give you money. It may give you success. But what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world and lose their own soul? I love America. It's a great country. But let me tell you what. We are going to begin to see a spike and rise of demonic possession. Because America is becoming just like the Gadarenes. It's becoming just like Decapolis. You know what I see America and this world flocking to here in Western culture? Tombs. Graves. They are consumed with death. Consumed with it. They love the zombies. They love the corpses. They love the spirits of departed ones, and they're seeking that stuff. It's in your city, I promise you. It's not there out in the open, but it's there. People are becoming uncontrollable like the man that came out of that tomb. I mean, have you been in the in, in the stores and see somebody flip out over a mask? Flip out over social distancing? People are becoming uncontrollable. It's the devil. People are becoming untamable. The mental illness that we see nowadays, it's demonic spirits tormenting minds. Do you know how many people right now don't sleep? Literally don't sleep. It's not just the coffee. Oh, no, it is demonic spirits. The man that came out of the tomb that he didn't sleep. You know what else he didn't have? He didn't have any clothes. People nowadays are more immodest than ever before. It's not just in the strip clubs and in those, those, those places, you know, wherever they do that stuff. Oh, no, they're bringing it out in public. The immodesty. I, I, I mean, it, you know, nowadays it is easy to see why we preach holiness. Look at the way people dress. It is open, exposed. And that's why I believe in holiness now than, more than ever before. I see it now. Holiness, modesty, being covered, not exposing yourself, that pleases God. But you get around the devil, oh no, it's look at me. Look at my rear end on Instagram. Look at my cleavage out here at Starbucks. Look at my jewels. Look at my tattoos. Look at my this. Look at my that. It's demonic. It's pleasing the devil. You see people crying out, screaming, cutting themselves out of their mind. 
We are here and Decapolis is around us. Gadara is around us. You know what this world needs? It needs apostolics. It needs Pentecostals. It needs people. It needs people who are of the name, who aren't afraid to get in the boat and go to the other side. And the people who sat in darkness to bring to them a great life. I'm calling upon all of the people who want to get into spiritual warfare and make disciples of people who are bound by darkness, people who are entrapped and deceived by the devil, to preach to them that there is something greater than what you have now that leads to eternal life. That's the kind of revival I want. That's the kind of revival that's truly going to shake this world before the coming of the Lord. And it's time we get involved in it. And I see it and feel it right now. I'm staring at a wall right now. I don't know exactly who you are. I don't know exactly where you're listening to this at. But I feel it right now. You are involved in something that you shouldn't be. You're watching something. You're reading something. You're dating somebody you know you shouldn't be dating them. And it's entertaining the devil. If you're not careful, you're going to open up the door to the devil to get inside of your world. And that's not a place you want to be because that devil is destined and headed for hell. And he's going to take you down there with him. You've got to repent of your sins. You have got to get submitted to God. You have got to start getting yourself into the Bible, get a relationship with God, get back in church. I promise you, because Jesus hung on the cross for the salvation of your soul. I'm Justin Gleason. God bless you for listening. Come on, you ugly